0: simply this. Jesus, by his own will, suffered pain on the crucifixion, on the cross. He said, no one is taking my life from me. I am doing it willingly. It was the plan of God that Jesus do that (coughs) And by his doing that, then we have received the grace that God had. Pouring it into our lives, and by his grace, through Jesus' death, we are justified by our faith. Because he lives, we live also. There is no greater affirmation of Easter than death. Out of his death and resurrection, comes our resurrection from death. We talked last week about the theological premises by which Jesus' death on the cross was able to bring about God's will of redemption. And we came to the conclusion that nobody knows really how it came about, only that it did. And it is out of God's will that it did come about we studied all the theological implications of the crucifixion of Christ. When Christ died on the cross, what took place there so miraculously came from the fact that Jesus was the Son of God. Two other men died on the cross. They had no impact upon the world. It was because Jesus was the Son of God, willingly Allowing himself to suffer and die, that we have reconciliation to God. He was God's son. And witnessing the crucifixion, one of the Roman soldiers said, He truly is the Son of God. The first <coughs> affirmation following his death was the affirmation of the fact that he was God's son. And the entire Easter story can best be told, in the words of John, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. We have explored the theological aspects of Easter through the fact that Jesus was the Son of But Jesus was a son of Mary, too. And this morning, I want us to think about the human side of Christmas. Easter. (laughs) That's that's what they show when the program is over, and then they make up another program. (laughs) Since since that's the first death. I've made, but i allow that one to go through. <laughs> but if we are to observe Easter from the human side of Jesus, it would be best if we could be eyewitness to those events. Of course, we can't do that. But we can do it through one who was there, who more than anyone else would be able to tell us what took place during that time great time of God's reaching down into the world and pulling us up to him. Simon Peter. Simon Peter couldn't be here this morning, but he asked me to take his place. Beg him not to go. He riveted my eyes with tears. And in a word spoken deliberately, critically, He is using you to try to tempt me not to do the one thing that I must do. You see, he had just told us that he was going to go to Jerusalem. There he would be arrested. He would be punished, flogged, turned over to his enemies, and then he would be killed. I was appalled that he would even think of such a thing. I begged him not to go. But we went. We spent the first night at Bethany after we came to Jerusalem. I hardly slept that night knowing what possibly lay ahead. I knew that the Pharisees had become angry with Jesus. I knew that from time to time they had conspired among themselves. (coughs) And I was fearful what would happen when we went into Jerusalem. But the next morning I became aware of the fact that Jerusalem was filled with tens of thousands of pilgrims from all over who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover. And so I consoled myself with the thought, his enemies can't possibly find him in a mob like this. We can slip in quietly, go to the temple, make our sacrifice. Later we can have our Passover meal together. And then we can go back to Galilee where everybody is safe. I've convinced myself that this is how it would work out what differently. That morning as we started to go into Jerusalem instead of our quietly going into the city, instead he said to John there's a colt nearby over at Bethesda. I want you to go and bring that colt to me and if anyone asks you what you're doing, you will say to them the master has need on We waited and just as Jesus had asked here came John with the colt. Jesus flung his leg over the colt settled down on the colt's back. It could have been a humorous thing to see both legs almost touching the ground on either side of that small animal. But it was too serious an occasion. To find humor, We started down the trail that led from the Mount of Olives to Jerusalem. And as we went along, the crowds alongside the road began to sense that this was something special. They remembered the words of Zechariah in which he had predicted that the king would come into Jerusalem and he would be on the back of a donkey. They began to connect the two together before I realized what was happening. The people were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I cringed in fear. This would get everybody's attention. They began to break off branches from the palm trees and waving them in the air threw them on the ground for the donkey to walk upon. Some even took off their cloaks and threw them in the pathway. And then as we rounded a curve, Jesus horse for a moment. It was a beautiful sight. Looking over the Kidron Valley into the city of Jerusalem. There at the center of the city was the temple. Gold all over the temple. The sun was in our back, just rising in the east, and the rays of the sun struck the temple, and it looked as though it had been carved out of a burning star. So brilliantly it set there. Around. Jesus looked at the temple. You could see the movements of the people, there were so many. I'm all about the city. I looked into the face of my master, his liquid. Suddenly, his eyes filled with tears. He raised his arm and swept the tears from his face, and then he said, in a voice so low that only those who were nearest could hear him, he lamented, Oh, it's a Jerusalem. How I have wanted to protect you, to throw my arms about you just as a mother hen protects her chick. Let me do it. It was then as though he were looking into the future, and he concluded, "You will be destroyed." Then his face brightened. We continued our journey down into Jerusalem. We came into the city, but by the time we reached it with all the crowds that accompanied us on our trail down the mountainside, the whole city was elected with the fact that the possibility that the Messiah was in their presence. And they began to yell all the more, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna. I saw the priests and the temple authorities cluster together and begin to mutter among themselves. And so I crept over to where some were standing. They were saying. We can't let this kind of thing go on. The people can easily be aroused into a rebellion and if they should rebel against Rome, Rome will kill us all and we'll all die. It's better that one person die than all of us die. We've got to find some way to get rid of him before he excites the populace too much. It was like a dagger struck into my heart when I heard them say those things. I knew who the enemies were and I knew that they were intent on doing what Jesus said would happen. I went over to Jesus. I wanted to say to him, let's leave and quickly leave this place but by then he had started into the temple. He loved the temple so much it was almost as though he couldn't wait to get there and so he went through the temple and as he came out, he gathered us all together, the 12 of us, and we left the city. It was dusk, and we went back to bed. Time came for the Passover meal to be eaten. That's why we had come to Jerusalem to eat the Passover meal and to go to the temple to make our sacrifice. And Jesus said, "Peter, I want you and John to go and prepare a place for us to to have a Passover meal." So we went. We got a lamb, took it into the temple. He slit the throat of the lamb and drained the blood into a basin. The blood was thrown upon the altar as a sacrifice to God. Then the lamb was placed back in our arms and we carried it out of the temple and away into the city. And then we went to the marketplace and we bought wine, unleavened bread, bitter herbs, all of the things that we would need for our Passover meal. And then we went to the place that Jesus told us and we would find a room that had been prepared for us. We went in and sure enough it was ready. So we laid out all the foods, the lamb at the center of the table, and we waited. The others came in one by one, and then finally Jesus <coughs> himself came in. There was a solemnity about him that I hadn't detected earlier, and I wondered what was on his mind. But he didn't say anything. After a while, he beckoned us to the table that had been set. John took his place at Jesus' side. There was a closeness between Jesus and John that we all saw. (coughs) Jesus seemed to find affection on the part of John that he needed. So John sat at his side and Judas who was one of the leading members of our group said on the other we were eating the Passover meal and then abruptly, Jesus got up from where he was sitting, and he crossed the room. There was a basin of water at the doorway. It was always placed at the doorway of a house, which is this, so that when travelers came in, they could wash the dust from their feet and be comfortable in the house. None of us had done that. Wondering what he was about, we watched him pick up the basin and then approach each one of us and... He put a towel about his waist, knelt down on the floor, lifted the foot of each one of us, and began to wash it. It was a most humble task that anyone could do. In every household, when a guest came, it was the loneliest servant who washed the feet of the guests, and here Jesus, our master, our leader, our teacher, was... Washing my feet, it was an act of humiliation. And when it came to me, I said, no, you won't wash my feet. You're my master, you're my teacher, you won't wash my feet. And he looked up into my eyes and his eyes were warm and caring. He said, Simon, if I cannot wash your feet, You cannot be a part of me. Those words struck my heart and I shouted them, wash my feet, wash my face, wash my hands, wash all of me that I can be a part of you. And he washed my feet, dried his hands, and he went back to the table and took his place. We continue to. Jesus sat for a long time after we had finished eating. He surveyed the room. He looked into the face of each one of us. And then he said, one of you is going to betray me. He couldn't believe it. How dare he even think such a thing that one of us could betray him to his enemies? We had been with him for three years. We have grown to love him. We've grown to sacrifice in every way for him. And he says that one of us will betray him. And I leaned over to John and I said, ask him which one of us it is. And John said, which is it? And Jesus said, the one who dips his bread in my cup is the one who will betray him. about that time, Judas reached over and dipped his bread in the cup. And Jesus whispered to him, what you must do, do quickly. And Judas arose and left the room. And then before we could react to what had taken place, Jesus started singing a hymn. We all joined in that hymn, and when the hymn was finished, he said, I want you to go with me to a garden place. We walked out into the dark. It was a time of Passover, and so there was a full moon in the sky. It cast long shadows, but illuminated the land so that we could easily move from our place in Jerusalem to the Mount of Olives. There was a garden spot. It had been named Nassimides and Jesus' medicine. We paused just for a moment at the edge of a grove of trees, and then Jesus said to James and John and me, I want you to go with me a little further, and we went. He stopped, and for a while he just stood there, saying nothing. Then he said, you stay here and pray for me. Pray hard for yourselves. And I'm going a little deeper into the grove. And I watched. And he went further, and then he fell down upon the ground. And I could not hear the words that he was saying, but I could see the movement of his body to realize that he was praying with all the fervor that his body could... Managed, and and he fell forward upon the ground as though he was stricken. This went on for some time. I myself grew weary of what the day had been and fell asleep. Can't believe I fell asleep while he was struggling so badly with something in his mind that I did. He came back and he shook me awake couldn't you wait for one hour it's important that you pray not only for me but for yourself and he went back and we all fell asleep again after the third time he came out of the grove and I've never seen such peace on the face of anyone it was almost as though he had struggled with a decision and That he had come to terms with that decision. And all of the stress and strain had left. And he was at peace. And he gently said. Those who have come to take me. Have arrived. Let's go meet them. We got up and we went out and I couldn't believe it there. The darkness was broken by torches held by the hands of an angry mob. They had cudgels and spears. They carried swords as though they were set to destroy an enemy. And Jesus said kindly to them, Why have you come with me with armor? You've come to take me, take me, but you don't need. Arms to do it. But I wasn't going to let it end with that. I took up my sword and I slashed at one of the servants and severed his ear. And Jesus looked at me and he said, Peter, put away that sword. If I needed someone to come to my aid, angels would come by the thousands. And then we saw Judas. He walked ahead of the others and he came up and looked at my master for just a moment and then reached up and kissed him on the cheek. That was a Jewish greeting of friendship. And Jesus kissed him back and called him friend. And then they. To cold out him. And they began to lead him out of the garden. I started to follow and then they turned on me. They seen me strike out at one of their own and they were going to arrest me and take me with them. And I fled out into the darkness and when I fled all the others fled with me. And there was Jesus all alone being led away out of the garden into the city. The others disappeared, but I couldn't stay away. I kept a distance, but I had to see what happened. And we went to the courtyard courtyard of the high priest. They took him in, and they put him on trial. And while he was in there, I waited and warmed myself by a charcoal fire. (coughs) And one of the mates said, I know him. I know him with. The man called Jesus, he's one of them. And fear struck my heart. And I said, no, I don't know him. I'm not one of his. Someone else said, yes, he is. I recognize him. I moved away quickly to another spot. And there someone said, he's a Galilean. I know he is one of his followers. And in order to make it convincing, I cursed the way that I did when I was a fisherman on the lake. It came naturally to me, and I used curse words as I denied the fact that I had ever seen the man before. And then I remembered I had said to Jesus, If you die, I'll die with you. But when come to the point of standing up with him, I discovered that I was a coward. They were leaving Jesus out at that time, and I was appalled to see that there were red whelps on his face where they had slapped him. There was spittle on his face where they had spit at him. They had humiliated him in a way that no one could imagine. I drew back in terror, and then Jesus looked into my face, and his eyes were filled with hurt because he had heard me deny. My body weakened. I crept out into the darkness, stumbled in the darkness until I found a place where I could fall upon the ground, and there I dropped and I wept bitterly. I had done such a terrible thing But he needed me most, the I. I went back to the only place I knew to go, and that was the meeting where we had had our meal together. And there, I huddled in the corner, afraid. I didn't know if anyone had followed me there, and they would take me out and arrest me too. Some of the disciples were already there. The others came. These were the early hours of the morning. As the sun rose. The women who were among us said, we've got to go see what's happening. The rest of us were afraid. John said, I'll go with you. John loved him so much. And so they left. They grew on. We wondered what was happening, hiding there in the upper room. And then about midnight, suddenly everything grew dark. It was that midnight had struck at midday. And for three hours we sat in total darkness and I cringed in fear. What could possibly happen that darkness would overtake the land like this? And then as the day came to a close, the women came back in. They told us what had happened. And I knew that the last words that my master had heard me say was... I don't know him. And I wept bitterly. I knew that I could never be forgiven for what I had done. Night came. I couldn't sleep. The women talked about the men of the Sanhedrin who had prepared his body for burial. And I felt so guilty that it had to be members of the Sanhedrin, those who had taken his life, he was putting in his final resting place. But I dared not come out of that room for fear of my own life. The next day was a Sabbath, and we all waited out the Sabbath in that little room, not knowing what to do when the sun broke the next day. I decided I would go back and go to my fishing boats and fish again, what I was doing before I had met him. The women among us said we're going to prepare his body for burial. It was done so hastily, he deserves a better burial than that. They had heard the soldiers say that they were going to seal the tomb with a stone and They were wondering among themselves how they would get the stone rolled away, but none of us were brave enough to go. We were hiding, and we would stay in hiding until this blew over. They went. They came to the place where Jesus had been put in, too. And the stone had been rolled away. It was just as the sun was coming over the mountain. And the slanting rays of the sun lighten the interior of the cave where his body had lain, And there we saw the burial claws lying at the side. And the grave was empty. And we went in. There was a man dressed in white. And he said, if you're looking for Jesus, he's not here. And three words were spoken that we would never take out Burned indelibly in our mouths. <clears throat> he is risen. And he said, Go tell the others that he has risen, as he said he would. And so the women came back. We could hardly believe it. John and I rushed to the place where we knew that he had been lame. The women had told us. John got there first. He was the younger, but he was afraid to go in for fear that he might see the body lying there, I When I got there, I rushed in and the cave was empty. There was no one. I went back. And the women who had been there said, tell Peter. He knew the pain of my heart. Tell Peter that I'm alive. And with that, life came back into my body. <clears throat> the sun was brighter. I walked with a new stem. And I determined that from that moment on. I would walk at his side. I would never deny him again. I would wait until he told me what he wanted me to do. But as the day grew on, (coughs) all I could hear were the words of the angel He is risen, he is not here. And then suddenly there he was in the oven.